0: Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org.
1: So uh, we're going to be teaching uh, together here uh, in just a moment. Uh, I'm just going to share one brief thing and then pray and then turn over to to Pastor Jordan uh, and then come back up uh, near the end. But today we're looking at His Righteousness. Uh, god 's righteousness and and all that it means and all that we'll understand and never understand in life, but the beautiful thing about his righteousness is that he gives it fully to us he 's righteous, and that 's mind blowing but then because of the work on the cross, according to scripture, from new testament, Old Testament, from every aspect of it it 's I give you this gift now of, of being righteous and so really is, uh, and if you want to turn to, to Romans 3, that's probably the, the lion's share where, where Pastor Jordan will be uh, today as he shares, but um, as, as we look at even Romans 3, it's, it's mind-blowing, but we see that every single thing God does is just and, and, and righteous and, and right. He, he never misses anything at all, and yet the the most amazing thing He does in that righteousness is He gifts it to us simply by taking it. And so uh, that's the, the beauty of what we're, what we're looking at today. And, and, and really a, a layman's term of righteousness, if you're just some guy from, uh, from Seguin, Texas, who doesn't use $10 words uh, like me, it's I'm, I'm right with God in every aspect, in every way possible. I'm right with God and I did nothing for it other than accept being right with God. That's the, the layman's terms of it. So I'm going to pray for Pastor Jordan and I and then turn over to him to share his heart um, today and uh, so appreciate him. Um, so Lord, uh, I just, uh, we just come together today and, and I thank you for, even for just the two of us standing here, we're two men who deserve nothing. We earned, we earned everything bad that could come in life and yet God, in your life, love and grace compassion and and heart for us you you gave us everything and so i pray that today holy spirit as we hear from you and everyone in this room everyone in this room is going to be able to hear from you today whatever it is you're going to speak today i pray that you remove the clouds and all of our thoughts that that get in the way and 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 things that, that that matter but but don't matter more than you get that out of the way so we can hear clearly from you holy spirit today and that our act of worship more than anything else is to respond to what you say. Bless Jordan as he shares, and bless me as I share what you've put on our hearts. In your name we pray, amen. All right, Pastor Jordan.
0: I'll try to redeem myself. Um, I promise I know all the seven continents. I promise. Um, And also, I wanted to take a second, uh, usually I don't get to have all the parents in the room together at once, and I can't tell you Um, how grateful and blessed uh, my wife and I are to serve the children's ministry week in and week out and to share the gospel with your kids. Um, I couldn't think of a better way to live life and serve the Lord than to share the gospel with kids. Um, And so I'm extremely, extremely grateful um, for that extremely, uh, that high calling, uh, sometimes daunting, but God has proven again and again that he provides week in and week out. Um, And so that being said, um, I just want to pray for us again real briefly, um, because my heart this morning is God's righteousness may seem daunting just hearing that term, but it's really, really simple. And so I just, I want to pray for us real quick, and I just want you to hear what I'm going to say, that it's very, very simple what we're going to talk about this morning. So let's pray. God, we we thank you again for today. God, I thank you for the worship team. I thank you for Josh and those guys who serve that way. Um, And God, I thank you for everybody in this room this morning. God, I, I thank you that you brought them here. I thank you for those that are tuning in from a distance. God, I pray that we would cling to the simple truth that we have a way to be right with you. God, we can complicate that and make it as messy as we want to, but the fact is... You have made the solution to our problem very, very simple. And God, we love you and we thank you. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So God's righteousness is something that holds a lot of depth and is extremely layered. And so it, it holds the weight uh, of something that I'm going to mention a couple times is our identity. It holds the weight of how we come to our identity in Christ and how we are ultimately viewed in God's eyes. But first, I think it's important to define righteousness. How do we define it? Like whenever we hear the word righteousness, what, what kind of comes across our mind? What do we think of? God's righteousness means that God always acts in accordance with what is right and is himself the final standard of what is right. And a biblical evidence to that we can read in Deuteronomy 32.4, is that he is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he? Due to God's being righteous and just, and him being the absolute standard of what is essentially morally correct, it also begs the question of how does God respond to disobedience? Because he is righteous and just, and the standard of what is morally correct, how does he respond to sin? How does he respond whenever his creation goes against what he originally intended? Sin beckons punishment. And because God is righteous and just, he will punish sin. So that again ask: how does God handle sin, or how did he, and what does that punishment look like? The Jewish community early on in their story resorted to the practice of sacrificial offerings every year. Every year they would come to the temple and make their sacrifices and offerings to atone for sins, to bring them back into a right relationship or a right standing with God. As Pastor Scott said, being righteous could also be called being in right standing or being just. That was, has been, and continues to be God's goal with the world. And its people is to make everything right again, to bring the relationship back into harmony. God's ultimate goal, from the time that creation began and then the fall happened in Genesis 3, God's ultimate goal is to rectify the relationship between Him and us, between Him and His creation. And I think we can all safely agree that there is a problem, there's a discord between us and the Lord. So how do repeatedly disobedient and rebellious people find their way back to him? How do we get back to the original intent in the garden of harmony with the creator? Were those annual sacrifices that we saw in the Old Testament sufficient? Did they ever actually do what they wanted the sacrifice to do? Did it ever get down deep and fix the discord and the problem that was there? What ultimately had to happen if those annual sacrifices didn't get the job done? What had to be done in that in that place? <laughs> I debated about telling this story, but I think it's fitting that I do. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I was about three or four years old. I was raised in Marble Falls, just south of here. Uh, born in Austin, raised in Marble Falls, and about three or four years old, my family and I were at Dairy Queen in Marble, and that was actually when I was 15. That was my first job that I ever had. Um, It it didn't last too long, but um, got a lot of free blizzards out of it. (laughs) So my family and I were there. We were eating, uh, celebrating a birthday or something, either eating or celebrating a birthday. I forget exactly uh, the nature of the occasion, but sometime after the food had been uh, consumed and eaten and we had tons of sugar in our system, running crazy, me and my cousins, we didn't go out on the playground. We stayed in the dining room to wreak havoc, of course, because that's the sensical thing that kids do a lot we go down the hallway to the bathroom and we notice there's a payphone this is back then when payphones were still in existence and still used a lot and so you can probably imagine what happened next when a group of kids eight and under get a hold of a payphone so my older insis- my older sister and my older cousin led the charge of dialing numbers and repeatedly hanging up and i'm not sure what all businesses we called across marble falls but quite a few um, there's some angry people on the phone, from what I can remember. And of course, we, we dial the number real quick, wait for the response, and then just run off screaming. And my parents and aunt didn't really know what we were screaming about. They hadn't caught on to the fact that we were tapped into the payphone. And then my oldest cousin had a, a really novel idea, and I hope you're watching right now. Um, what would happen if he called 911? In retrospect, um, I know what happens when you dial 911. (laughs) Well, we figured out very quickly what would happen. Minutes went by after the dial was made. Very quick response. Marble Falls is tiny, so it's very close to the police station. And sure enough, a law enforcement officer showed up to Dairy Queen of Marble. And the officer goes to my parents and aunt, and of course he can see the motley crew of kids standing there, blushing, terrified. I was probably crying. I cried a lot as a kid. (laughs) Just because... I mean, I still cry as an adult sometimes, but it's not important. So he noticed that something has been going on, so he talks to my parents, and about the time he got the words out who had been using the payphone, my older cousin lets out at the top of his lungs, I don't want to go to jail, and screams and tears off across the parking lot, down through cars and around the dumpster, That poor officer had to chase him in between cars, down and around the dumpster, just to politely tell him, son, son, you just can't dial 911 on a payphone, okay? He's not going to take an eight-year-old kid to jail. But, so it was funny to relive that moment for a little bit this past week, but it made me think, what is God's response when we metaphorically tear off across the parking lot? after we've done something we know we shouldn't have done in fear of judgment because we know we know what kind of god we serve we know that something's coming when we've done something wrong does he condemn us does he ask us for more sacrifices to be made or is he overwhelmingly gracious like that police officer was to my cousin, because granted, he could have been a lot more harsh than he was. Romans 3, 23 and 24 says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God with, I wanna pay key note to this, key attention to this, yet God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins so, that brings up another question. How did that sacrifice uphold the righteousness of God's character? 2 Corinthians five twenty-one says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Reconciliation, I read this past week, is the bringing together of two parties at enmity with each other into a new peace and a new cooperation. The new covenant that Jesus brought forth and inaugurated brings us back into a right standing with God. God declares us to be righteous. or in right standing with him because he stepped in and made the only acceptable sacrifices. All of those sacrifices that were previously made were never enough. They never got the job done. All of the efforts, all of the keeping of the law All of the works, in and of themselves, never fully made things right. They were loose-fitting bandages, if you will, that never really took care of what was beneath. They never got to the heart of the matter. They never got into the wound and healed. It's just a bandage over and it just buried it deeper and deeper and deeper, festering without ever being taken care of. God's acceptance wasn't dependent on proving our worthiness. We're worth it. We're worth that sacrifice, but dependent solely, solely on God's grace. And that grace is fully manifested in Jesus and made known today through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Again, God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ.
1: So so Jordan, I know we were spending time this week in staff meeting just marveling at just those two words that you read earlier, yet God. After we're all sinners, yet God. Hmm. So it, it made me it made me think of a, a question because I, I know your story and I know the, the the unfolding story of God in your life. Can you tell us really just the story of how God has, in the last number of months, just walked you out of an old identity into a new identity mm-hmm. of being made righteous by a righteous God. How that, yeah. what that looks like, kind of tracks that God used to, to walk you mm-hmm. on and and, and and what that's continuing to look like.
0: Yeah. So my wife and I, um, it was funny, I was praying and prepping over the last few weeks and The the Holy Spirit had already been working and moving and was trying to, even before Scott asked me that, what have I done in you, Jordan? Like, how have I shown you righteousness? How have I made you feel righteous or right with me? Um, And like I said, it always came back to identity. And my wife and I have been attending Cultivate on Sunday evenings at 5.30. Um, We've been coming to Cultivate since September of last year, and Nate has touched on a few occasions how identity, on a few occasions has brought up how identity affects how we process different life experiences that we've been through. Um, Whether that be trauma or addiction or broken relationships, whether that's a a husband-wife relationship, a father-son, a mother-daughter, how we process those different things and Like I said, I'm a crier, so you're just going to have to bear with me for a second. I found myself constantly associate in my head. You know, on the surface, we're good about that sometimes, right, with those loose-fitting bandages. On the surface, we look like it's, it's healed, right, like it's covered up. It's a clean white bandage over what is kind of festering. I found myself constantly associating myself with everything wrong I'd done or that had been done to me. Especially some of the wrong things that had been done to me. I associated myself with that. That was who Jordan was. In my head, I identified myself almost solely based off who I'd been, what I'd been through, how I'd messed up. I was the guy who hurt people mentally, physically, and emotionally. I was a selfish friend who never showed up whenever my friends really needed me, the most pivotal moments in life, because it wasn't convenient for me. I was the mouthy, spoiled son who never showed respect and appreciation for what my parents sacrificed, the homes they'd come out of, for me and my sister to have the blessed, blessed upbringing that we had. I was the guy who constantly caved to worldly pressures and opinions. No backbone. No foundation. I identified all of these charges against myself. That shame, that guilt. That's who Jordan was. Nothing good popped up in my head. Yet God, those words... Those two very short words, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that Jordan is righteous. Declares that Matt is righteous. Declares that Scott, Jeremy, Joseph, Kelsey is righteous. Because the only spotless lamb made the sacrifice that actually did something of no merit of no works on our own accord nothing that I did or could have done all because of him to uphold his righteous character he completely redefined my identity i am not that guy i can't i can't stress that enough if you've come in here with Whatever it is you've been through, whether it is that addiction, that trauma, that broken relationship, it doesn't matter if you just dealt with it 20 minutes ago, you stepped into the presence of a living God when you walk through those doors. There is absolutely no hold and no victory on Satan's behalf with that shame that he tries to shower you with, that guilt. I don't care what it is. The blood of Christ covered it. In the eyes of God, you are righteous. Every single person in here is declared righteous in the name of Christ. There is no question about that. That is my identity. Praise God, because that's a lot better than what I was. That is my identity. I am a redeemed, reborn, new creation, all because of what the powerful name of Jesus did. Absolutely no question.
1: Thanks, Pastor Jordan. So he, Jordan said something earlier. He, he said the phrase, overwhelmingly gracious. I mean, let's just camp there for a moment. I, I love that. I, he sent it to me, and I had I, read it, and some stuff, and, and then Friday night, I was just looking at it, and I was f- fully undone. Don't forget your Forrest Gump shirt. It's in my way. No, uh, but overwhelmingly gracious. We deserved nothing. We got everything for doing nothing. He's overwhelmingly gracious. Everything that could be made good and right and blessed, all that matters in life, God took care of it for us, through Jesus' work on the cross, in a broken and deceived world, God tells us that I'll make you spotless and I'll keep you spotless. And, and I want you to now be that, that vessel of mine because there's people with spots. There's broken vessels. And now you're the, you're the one I'm going to use uh, in, in, in this world as long as I keep you here because the only reason I keep you here is for the, the advancement of my, of my name and fame and the salvation of people. That's the only reason I keep you here. And, and it's a challenging thing because we're redeemed to redeem, yet we're still in process. We, we have this job to do, but like, we're not equipped to do it, except that we're equipped by the, the perfect one to do it. And it's this tension that we exist in. I'm perfect well, I'm being made perfect. And, and Jesus says, and I'll keep you and sustain you. Yet you're still responsible to not get caught up in the things you shouldn't get caught up in. That's where that, that tension balance comes in of, of Lord, I, I am everything you say I am and you're still making me that. And, and I'm your perfect voice, but I'm imperfect in doing that. Jude writes about it in, in, in his short letter near the back of the, of the Bible right before Revelation. he talks about what it means to be made right. And at the beginning of June, Jude, he's, he's, he's writing and he's, he's saying, hey, there's darkness and light in this world. We sang about it. Uh, and you, and, and he's, he's just saying all these things and, and, and he says, uh, he says, hey, don't, don't let false teaching come in. Don't follow false teaching. Uh, make sure you don't get caught up in that. Uh, and then he says, says this starting in, in, uh, in, in verse 22, that's where we are, of Jude. He says, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering because people are still going to have doubts. He says, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. This is a literal picture here. Because outside of Jesus, judgment has flames. No one has to go there. But outside of Jesus, there will be this judgment. And so he's getting really real here. He says, show mercy to still others because people are frantic. So calm them down but show showing mercy. But do so with great caution. Have this healthy reverence and fear of God and his ways, what this says. So he's like, go to those who are struggling and lost and deceived, but don't get caught up there. Remember me. Don't get caught up in their mess. Draw them out of that mess to me. He says, hate the sins that contaminate their lives. Be mindful not to get lost in their wrong beliefs or or caught up in ways that lead away from God or or ignore sin or, or or end up looking like the world. Don't get stuck there. Because he says, hate that sin that contaminates their lives. You're going to them because you love them, but don't buy into their sin. And then he says in verse 24, now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away. Jesus has enough power to keep you and sustain you, to keep you from stumbling into sin. So he says, he'll keep you from falling away and he'll bring you with great joy into God's glorious presence without a single fault. You're going to be faultless before God. And Jesus is ecstatic to do it. Like it excites him to make sure you remain faultless so he can present you faultless before God. That excites him. It's not like, oh, was it not enough to die for him? Now I got to keep him faultless? No, he's excited about that. And then it ends with a a beautiful declaration. All glory to him who alone is God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are His before all time and in the present time and for time to come. Amen. Amen. Jude is saying there, hey, you're good because Jesus got this. You can't, but He can. So just remain in Him. It's an interesting letter that Jude writes with a, with a real quick summary of what we're called to do as we live righteous in a messed up world. He tells us to be active and mindful as we live in Jesus, and we live like Jesus. These are some of the things that Jude tells us in this book, in this letter. He says, do what's needed to grow in your faith. Pray in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. He says, firmly attach your life to the love of God, not the rules of God. Jordan talked about the difference between the sacrifices, which were the rules, They were meant to sustain until the one to to change everything came. And that came with love. So attach yourself to the love of God, not the rules of God, because that'll fail you. I guarantee you it'll fail you if you live by rules and not by love. Constantly live in the undeserved mercy that Jesus gives you. Be extremely compassionate to the unbeliever and to those who struggle in doubt. Take the good news, salvation message to those who need it. Don't just wait for them to come to you. If they come to you, well, take the opportunity to share with them, but go to them. We're not meant to be like, well, if they want to be saved, they'll find me. No, no, no. It's a terrible Christianity. We go to them, or we look for all the opportunities within conversations to take the message to them and and share it and hate any compromise that will stain your life the church the believers who gather together like we're called to gather together according to this according to this we're called to fellowship and gather as a church family to celebrate jesus together in large ways and in small caring communities just read acts 2 and if you disagree with it, that's on you and Jesus. But, but you're here, so I'm preaching to the choir, right? But to the believers who are called to gather together to do real life, Jude says, hey, Jesus is going to sustain you and keep you. His mercy protects us. We'll live this gospel-centered life as we, as we live together and, and, and not in perfection but being perfected. I mean, if anybody comes to a church and is like, man, I can't wait to get a part of a church so that we never have struggles with each other, you're in the wrong place. You need a church of one, and you're probably going to hate yourself. So uh, we walk through this bumping of life together, and we grow in maturity, and in love, and grace, and compassion, and in understanding of one another. Jude's encouraging us here that truth's always going to prevail, this always wins. Jesus always keeps us, and he saves us by his might and power. Verses 24 and 25, he's telling us, hey, Jesus takes the human weakness condition that we have into consideration here. God takes it into account, and he says, I can overcome that. That's no thing for me. God's like, you're weak, I'm the sustainer, you walk on in me and look to me, and I'll make it all happen the way it's supposed to happen. I can easily overcome anything you struggle with. That's what Jude is encouraging us with here. He also reaffirmed human destiny that there will be a day when everyone will stand before the judgment seat of God. For those in Christ, we stand before something that's referred to as the Bema seat. It's the judgments that give us gifts. Because we're judged, Jesus was judged for us. So he says, here's all your gifts. And then there's that sad moment where people stand before the the judgment eternally, the judgment seat of Christ, where they've chosen not to follow him. And so their eternity is going to be without him. Jude tells us that not to put fear in our lives, but to go, you're set. Now you go and you give them the message so that they can have opportunity to know Jesus, so they get rewards rather than eternal judgment that we typically think of. Everyone will stand before God. Be a seat or this judgment seat. And praise God, he made a way. I love John 3, 16 and 17. I mean, you just can't get better news than that. That, that the, way God, the, the way that God loved the world was that he gave his son as a gift so that anyone who believes in him who believes in Jesus, will fully experience eternal life starting now. The moment you say yes to Jesus, eternal life enters. It's just when we get there, there's going to be no issues to deal with. Here we still got some issues to deal with, and we got some work still he's going to do in our lives, but we're set eternally. And then he says in verse 17 that God didn't send Jesus here to judge us, He sent Jesus here to save us and rescue us because he judged Jesus in our place. The judgment already happened back here on the cross. God sent Jesus to save and rescue us. You're set unless you don't know Jesus. And if you're listening online or you're watching online, you're listening on the radio or you're here today and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, man, you can make that decision and be set eternally. A friend of mine, Bob, where's Bob? Bob's right there. We're having our typical breakfast every other Thursday. And he shares this story with me that I'd heard before, but I'd never heard the fullness of it. But uh, it's an amazing story of undeserved grace and mercy. There was this judge, and I can't remember what state he was in. I think it may have been Virginia. Um, And he handled about 150 cases a day uh, of people that were basically getting booted out of their their houses and they're getting fined and all this stuff and this couple came before him and probably out of ignorance and apathy they didn't do what they needed to do so they were going to get a fine and they were going to get evicted. They had some personal struggles. There were some things going against them in life that were all of us would have a little compassion for but they were still responsible and they didn't come through and so the landowner or the landlord was like I want my fine money and then I want them booted and I want to rent this place out and the judge He recused himself. He said, I'll be right back. He came back. And whatever the fine was, he came back with cash. And he said, here, consider it paid in full. He paid for the fine himself. And when they went on to interview the prosecuting attorney, he said this. He said, I have seen judges make decisions that benefited uh, defendants before and and changed some things before so they didn't get punished. as much. I've never seen a judge chip in. This is the first time I've ever seen a judge chip in. God chipped in all the way. That's the reality. God chipped in all the way for us. Like that judge, he showed mercy to those who deserved to be crushed and pay the price that they owed. He sacrificed his own son to purchase pardon for the whole world, for all who will believe in the gospel. So if you're here today or you're listening and you've never made that decision... He chipped in everything for you. All you have to do is receive it. Do you want to know that love today? God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son that if you believe in him, you will have eternal life. You'll be saved, rescued. No punishment, just compassion, mercy, grace given to you. And if you've never made that decision, you can make it right now and go, Jesus, I want that. You chipped in already. I want it. I don't have to chip in. I only have to receive. That's it. Just receive. Call in the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Believe in Jesus and you shall be saved. All who have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All who call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Simple. Simple. Because he did all the hard work. Jesus' best friend, John, tells us in, in John chapter 1, or chapter 2, I'm sorry. Uh, verses 1 and 2. He says this. He says, my, ch- my dear children, I'm writing this to you. And that this, he's talking earlier, he talked about living in light and dark and, and confessing your sins and being forgiven and, and, and living in a way that, that says God is God. And so he says, I write all this to you so that you won't fall into, I'm paraphrasing some of it, so you won't fall into and live in sin. But if you do sin, You have an advocate who pleads your case before the Father. He's Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. You see, Jesus' work that he did on the cross makes it possible for believers to know God and know that they are right before God. You're good with God if you said yes to Jesus, you are good with God. Do you mess up still? Probably, yeah, sure, absolutely. Do you mess up more than you did yesterday? I hope not. I hope we're getting better and growing in maturity, but we may have some down times. But you're good with God if Jesus is your Savior. He doesn't have to keep being your Savior. You don't have to keep getting saved. You are set with Jesus, and then you're being discipled into maturity in Him. Jesus gives believers hope and assurance that will someday stand in front of God, righteous. He says, you're set. Don't worry. No blame. With great joy, you'll stand before God. You won't be like, I wonder which seat I'm going to be standing before. Will it be the judgment seat or the bema seat? No, you're set. Rewards are set for you. That's what's waiting for you in heaven. Eternal life, perfection, and rewards. Whatever that means, they're there. Can you imagine heavenly rewards? We can't even fathom it. Don't even, I mean, try, but then it's going to be better. Jesus is the difference maker. That's what John is saying here. He's a difference maker for all mankind. He saves us if we want it. And he makes us righteous if we let him. Romans 3, 23 and 24 that Jordan read. That's the only hope for humanity. And it's a gift of righteousness that comes by faith. I believe and I accept it. It's never works. It's never earned. It's not keeping religious duty. It's, it's no law involved. God saved us through Jesus. He went to work for you. He chipped in. He went to work for you. So you have to live in the righteousness that he bought you. That's what he calls us to do. Do you earn it? No. Are you called to go to work for him in, in, in how we live our lives? Yes, that's, that's James. The whole book of James is about, hey, you earn nothing, but, but real salvation shows by how you act and live and love other people, what you do, how you serve, how you give your life away. I want to end with, with this story before Jordan comes up in a moment and, and prays for us. But there, a lot of you have seen the movie Saving Private Ryan. It, me personally, it wasn't my favorite for a couple of characters in there. They just drove me nuts. But the essence of the movie I loved, Just I wish I could take those out. But there, there's a scene that we probably all see. It's the very end of the movie, and, uh, and it's Private Ryan as an older man in Arlington National Cemetery, and he's walking with his family, and he finds the, the gravesite of, I think, it's Captain Miller, it's Tom Hanks' character that had died. Uh, spoiler alert if you didn't see it in the past 20 years of life, that's on you. Uh, but... But he's, he's, he's broken before this man who died rescuing him. And his wife finally comes up and, and he looks at her and he says, tell me I've lived a good life. He's remembering what Captain Miller said to him on the bridge when he died. And Captain Miller looks at him and I think he calls him by name. He says, James, earn it. Earn this. A lot of men died finding and rescuing him. And he wasn't saying earn this in the way that we we work for a wage he's saying show that this matters by living a life that is good like live a good life because we died for you we knew what we were doing we put our lives on the line and a bunch of us aren't making it back so show that it matters in how you live your life out you are nothing from the work of jesus But are you living like it matters? Are you living righteous? Because if you're living for Jesus, it means you know that you're right before him. You're not earning righteousness. You're living out of that righteousness. He's telling him, live worthy of the life sacrifice. So Jesus chipped in everything. Live worthy of that life sacrifice.
0: Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.